Hello, friends. Welcome back to Time in the Studio. This is a podcast focused on artists and herbalists, and I am your host, Sarah Marie Miller. I'm an artist and herbalist living in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm really excited. This is the 19th episode of the podcast, and it's an interview with my friend Ashley Nowak, who is an awesome herbalist and full-spectrum doula living in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, but she went to school at the same school as me and graduated a couple years earlier. Um, she wrote an amazing paper on postpartum care and what that could possibly look like and some of the issues with what it oftentimes looks like now. Um, we dive into a lot of um, really important issues with women's care and especially focused on looking at support for women going through miscarriage and abortion. So um, just wanted to give you a heads up that that is part of our conversation today. Um, we also talk about a couple herbs that are really amazing allies to us both and to a lot of different herbalists. But um, yeah, I just wanted to also remind you that you get to be the boss of your own body and health and we are not doctors we're artists and herbalists and we cannot cure or treat diseases we are just helping to build vitality and using herbs to possibly support people on an energetic level so I just wanted to put that reminder out there. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please do lots of your own research and decide for yourself what is best for you. Talk to your doctor and, you know, read things and do your own research. Thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. If you like the podcast, please feel free to subscribe, rate, review, leave comments. You can connect with me on Instagram at Time in the Studio or Ada Zia Arts. Um, you can find that at adazia.com. Um, you can find all the links there into Facebook or Instagram, or I just started a little shop selling a little bit of pottery. So I'm going to start selling more herbal goodies and pottery on my website through Etsy for now. We'll see how that evolves, but, uh, yeah, it's an exciting little adventure. I, okay. Without further ado. Here is our conversation with I'm Ashley so Nowak. I'm so honored to be here today with Ashley Nowak, and she is just an amazing herbalist and also works with tarot and so many other magical, mystical things. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yay. Such a treat. Um, so I would love to dive in and hear a little bit more about your path so far. Well, currently I'm working out of Golden Poppy Herbal Apothecary in Fort Collins, where we do consultations as well as custom formulation and uh, just general education support for people. Um, however, that comes from a long journey leading up to working at the apothecary and working privately as a herbalist from uh, starting my own healing journey into the plant world. And uh, that began 
back in 2010, mm-hmm. 2011, 2011, mm-hmm. when I apprenticed with Linda Conroy in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who's the founder of the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, and discovered the wise woman tradition. And at the time, uh, I struggled, was struggling uh, deeply with my mental health, um, and that has continued to unfold over the last several years. The people who I find myself most called to work with, who end up vibrating most with me, are people who, um, for whatever reason, are are in their in their moon time or in mm-hmm. a shadow period, mm-hmm. and having witnessed um, friends of mine uh, suffer from mental health, die because of their mm-hmm. mental health. Um, and watching own members of my family struggle for years with it, it wasn't something, it wasn't a pattern that I wanted to repeat in the conventional way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I knew that there was magic in the green world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I longed to have a connection to something deep, authentic, and real. Yeah. And when I found Linda, she, you know, brought me out of the ethers because I was very flighty and, <laughs> New Agey, which isn't a bad thing, right. uh, and like brought me, rooted me back into the earth, and started my journey from there, focusing on nourishment and um, soul connection with the plants. And that same conference introduced me to Lisa Ganora, oh. which afforded me the opportunity to study at the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism, which is where I finished my clinical training, mm-hmm. and then found my way to Fort Collins, um, wow. and found my way to the apothecary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is an amazing path. Like, yeah. Every, yeah, little threads yeah. definitely leading one to the next for sure. Yeah. I feel like that happens when we're tuning into ourselves and really paying attention. It's like the path just becomes clear. I was saying that to somebody actually last night about how when you're in resonance with your heart, especially mm-hmm. um, when you, when you're in a place of indecision, which isn't a bad place to be, it's like everything's still swirling. Mm. It's like things haven't, um, the probability of things occurring hasn't like propelled itself into motion yet. So as soon as you align with your heart's will, it's like a laser. It's Mm. like things like instantly connect and then the universe just shifts into motion for you to meet those right people and be in the right place at the right time. And you know, if you had waited a moment longer, maybe you wouldn't have been there. But because mm-hmm. you, in that moment, aligned your will, everything else followed from there. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. So cool. Because when I met Lisa Ganora, I was at a camp working for the summer mm-hmm. doing herbal education for kids and had no idea where I was going to end up. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the night, I was drinking Tulsi coffee. <laughs> um, so definitely stimulated and mind was open. Uh-huh. Um, had this brilliant idea to reach out to her to see if she needed administrative help for the school. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, but I need a personal assistant. So oh. synchronicity really is a beautiful thing. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel um, it is similar, different, but interesting connection with Lisa too. I was in New York and working with an herbalist there. I was like sick at the time and I was like, I need to go to Colorado. And 
that's where I have family and I have roots and I just feel drawn to be in Colorado, but I don't know what is there. And the herbalist was like, oh, you need to work with Lisa Ganora. Go to her school. <laughs> she, like, okay. I, was, I called her and had, yes. <laughs> she like made time to talk to me forever. And I asked a million questions. I was like, where should I live? Where should I work? <laughs> and, she just, and she was like, I don't know. Like, you're going to get better. I believe it. And I did. It was like oh. really... Isn't that, isn't that the medicine? <laughs> yeah, just the hope. The hope and the connection and just being able to like be heard and yeah, to have somebody say, I believe you'll get better is really powerful. It gives you faith in your own process, mm-hmm. especially, you know, as it were in our in-between times and out those liminal spaces Yeah, when... The probability of things like hasn't settled and we're you know still in the ether how i was saying yeah yeah so interesting when we let ourselves kind of go into that gray zone of possibility and allow things to be shifted in that way i'm curious so how did you find linda I Googled her. (laughs) Uh, You know, I was, when I was in school, and ironically, I lived in New York as well, so I'm glad we share that connection. Um, I had just committed to my major, but I still felt slightly um, unsatisfied. Like there were more things that I wanted to learn. And one day, it just like bubbled out of me to a friend, like, I think I want to study plant medicine. Mm -hmm. And uh, this friend of mine was from Falmouth, Maine, so grew up on the East Coast, and his mom had studied with Susan Weed. Oh, so the cool. very first name I ever got was Susan Weed. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, you should study with Susan Weed. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who Susan Weed was, mm-hmm. but I looked her up and thought she was totally witchy and magical and <laughs> everything I wanted, and um, I had no intention of staying in New York for the summer after I completed my full, um, sophomore year mm-hmm. and, uh, knew I would be back in Wisconsin and just Googled wise women, Wisconsin herbalist. And mm-hmm. Linda Conray was the first name to come up. Mm-hmm. She instantly resonated. Um, she was offering, uh, live in apprenticeships, you know, like a three-week intensive on her land out in Coon Valley, which is Western Wisconsin, um, in kind of the, uh, Driftless region, Mm -hmm. which is a plethora of organic farms and the most number of organic farms per capita in the country, Mm. I might add. Um, so, you know, as, (laughs) I was going to say, as, as our, like, need for water and climate change shifts just keep mm. keep that in mind people mm. um <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah just found her that way um yeah instantly connected mm. um and it was a it was an intense experience like if people know susan weech you know that she's a, a hard teacher mm-hmm. and, a, and a completely invaluable teacher but she's you know she's what you're wanting and also what you need, which Mm -hmm. isn't always the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and Linda definitely was that for me. And I have a lot of gratitude for her for teaching me some really important lessons at a really tender age. Mm. Wow. That's amazing that you found her. 
Yeah. So lucky. Yeah. I feel pretty indebted to that education. Mm-hmm. What did you, is there, are there some things that you really pulled out of that time that you can think of that shifted things like any practices or plants or things that specifically you started doing or using to shift things for you? Well, I'm a very cerebral person. I tend to overanalyze and overthink everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do that, it shifts me out of my, like my intuition, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes. And one thing that she really emphasized, which is part of the wise woman tradition is just, um, engaging the energy, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily needing to know why, mm-hmm. just understanding how something is working more than why it's working, mm-hmm. um, and appreciating that you don't need to have an answer to understand that the medicine's the medicine. Yeah. You know, I had that reiterated to me just over this last weekend from Ann Drucker, who I also consider a wise woman. Oh my gosh. Did you, you know? take her OSHA class? I, I didn't. I'd love to, cause I've heard beautiful things about <laughs> it, but I saw her teach a intro to Maya medicine healing, which I've become deeply interested in at the red earth herbal gathering where I was working as um, a vendor for the shop. And she talked about just the reminder to pray with plants and to give your intention and your love to them and that they want to help us and that we don't need to understand what's happening. The plants do. And you know, it's a kind of intelligence that we can't even really begin to fathom. Um, and just putting that much trust and faith in the green world was absolutely something that Linda did as well. And definitely having gone through a clinical training and that being a very heady experience, I'm trying desperately to get back to that much more intuitive way of working with plant medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have that balance of like reading the books and knowing all of the logistics of things and then Mm -hmm. also just like sitting with a plant and just like breathing with it and noticing like, oh, like I feel like plants have so many messages if we listen. My first ally, because that was a big part of that apprenticeship, was finding one plant to deeply Mm -hmm. connect with. Um, was motherwort and that continues to be my premier ally for everything (laughs) in my life. Yeah. When I feel any slight out of balance, like motherwort's my, my go-to ally, my sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember motherwort became pretty powerful for me too. It grows. There's a lot of motherwort on this property where I live. Oh, what a blessing. Yeah. And I remember when I moved here, I was just so scared and lonely and yeah, just sitting with that plant. And I didn't know what it was initially, but I just wandered around the yard and found it. And I was like, what is this weird, beautiful Mm. thing? And (laughs) just like, yeah, it has such a comforting presence. Um, I had uh, earlier this summer, because of course, if you go to make medicine with motherwort, it looks really delicate. And then you're mm-hmm. instantly like, oh, you know, because mm-hmm. those calyxes are so sharp. Yeah. Um, and I went, I went through something very emotional um, uh, that had to do with like relationships, like finally passing away um, and releasing that to the earth. 
Mm. And I allowed myself to like really deeply cry around Mm. um, what I was releasing. And I was in a garden and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I just wandered up to the motherboard and I just like gently held her and like Mm. the kind of um, tenderness or vulnerability you have, like when you're at that point Mm. and realizing that's, that's the kind of tenderness or vulnerability that she mirrors back, which is why, you know, coming to her in that state, like I didn't feel any of that pain because I wasn't Mm -hmm. grasping or trying to hold on. I just was totally gentle with myself and with her, um, which I thought was a really invaluable piece of medicine that I hadn't learned from her yet. Wow. That is really amazing. I don't know. I just, yeah, I want to let that sink in a little, just that idea of like, when we're with it, when we're just present with it, it is less painful because it's we're not pushing it away. We're just letting ourselves be with it. And there's such medicine in tears, like, yeah. and the science of tears. I need to study it more, but I guess it like releases all kinds of endorphins and chemicals that like help stimulate joy too. So it's like I believe that. Yeah, I totally believe that. Yeah, crying is good medicine. Where to go next? I would love to hear more about your work with doula work. I feel like you have a really profound, you wrote an amazing paper that everyone in clinic always reads and is like, oh my God, Ashley, no, I'm oh, an wow. amazing writer, which oh you should gosh. publish, by the way, like oh, do an e or something, because like... Thank you, because Everyone. that's one of my biggest insecurities is my writing. Really? Yes. Oh, you're an incredible writer. <laughs> I have all these visions of ongoing blog posts, so yeah. many zines, and I like can't bring myself to put... Mm. I'm such a closeted poet and writer. I can't yeah. bring myself to put any of it out there, so thank you for the encouragement. Yeah. It's a I appreciate that. It's a beautiful paper. Thank you. Um, so doula work has been interesting because I haven't actually dueled for anyone, mm-hmm. at least not in the normal, uh, birth or postpartum sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, felt immediately drawn to that work when I sensed how, um, not disadvantaged cause I don't want people to sound like victims, but mm-hmm. there's, there's a desperate need for all of us to be witnessed when we're in transformative spaces. Yeah. Um, and I think that as a culture, we've, um, forgotten, uh, the kind of ritual or like, um, uh, initiation that happens when we're in transformative spaces Mm. and it's enough to know for yourself that you're going through it, but it's, it's really potent to have somebody else help hold the container around you. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be the witness, you know, mm-hmm. like even, um, I, th- I like to think in myths a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Hakate, when like Persephone was taken to the underworld, didn't interrupt what was happening, but she mm-hmm. was the only witness who saw her being taken. Mm-hmm. So just the idea of being sort of this like gatekeeper, to mm-hmm. another's experiencer, um, standing at the edge with someone, yeah. um, but allowing it to be totally their own is a huge honor. And 
I haven't had the privilege, as I mentioned, of sitting with somebody in their birth process or in their postpartum process, but I really do feel called to the idea of doula just being someone who's working in service to another. Mm -hmm. And the doula work that has come up for me uh, has been around a bit miscarriage and abortion, Mm -hmm. which I think are two things that are are needing to be witnessed the most. Yeah, so much pain and trauma and just complex feelings that can happen around any experience, but those two in particular, I feel like are very underserved and it's something Mm -hmm. that people don't necessarily think to get a doula if they are going through one of those experiences. No, no, especially, especially for an abortion, you know, Mm -hmm. women, uh, are taught to, are internalize a lot of shame and guilt around Mm -hmm. the procedure Mm -hmm. and, and then conversely for miscarriage, even though we know it happens, um, I think people tend to take a very hands-off mm. approach to women who experience miscarriages, mm-hmm. um, just kind of putting it aside as a very private experience and not wanting to maybe intrude mm. on yeah. what's happening in their family or on them as an individual, but also, uh, I think women just don't know how to be open about it with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very hard if you haven't experienced either of those to, to know um, the conflicting emotions and space that women can operate in. Mm -hmm. And of course that happens in postpartum too, Mm -hmm. especially with postpartum depression, which is what I wrote my thesis on Mm -hmm. the idea that you could, you could, you know, absolutely um, love your child And it's not mutually exclusive from also feeling everything else that you would feel completely in yourself as, um, a woman with a three-dimensional experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what I've enjoyed most about the miscarriage and the abortion work is, um, is seeing how, uh, I guess I want to back up. It's not necessarily something I've enjoyed. I don't want to like, mm-hmm. I don't want to like say it to me and I take pleasure in this side of it. Only that it's just a huge honor. Um, and I, I take whatever women share with me to be very precious, yeah. uh, to be able to stand in that space with them because I might truly be the only other person mm-hmm. besides maybe their, you know, doctor mm-hmm. who knows what they're going through. Some of these women don't share with their partners. Um, some of them don't have partners to share with, even if they decided to. Mm -hmm. And I find that even sometimes that processing when it's a shared experience, which can be beneficial, can also detract from their own individual experience. So it feels Mm -hmm. really important to just keep my focus on, um, what's happening with the woman, uh, because she can partner, partner, she can process with her partner in other ways and her mm-hmm. partner has the ability to process with other people in their lives. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that I want, um, that I don't think that, you know, other, like the other biological, um, agent in all of this, like doesn't have any, uh, needs, but it's, 
so common for women to subjugate what their own experience is to Mm -hmm. be able to continue to do the caretaking and emotional labor for somebody else. And when it is a really vulnerable and emotional experience, it's easy to feel inclined to not think about what's going on with you and Mm -hmm. to focus on somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I find that that can make the release, um, more painful, longer, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and ultimately they don't feel as resolved because it's almost like, um, I like the idea in Tantra Buddhism where you meditate on certain deities mm-hmm. uh, and their like fullest expression of certain emotions mm-hmm. in order to like fully mm-hmm. embody that experience and then be able to release it from your being, oh, you know, wow. like the idea that you can meditate on a wrathful deity mm-hmm. and, and see that wrath and be it so completely in yourself it's like going to the bottom of a really dark pool Mm. and like, you can't really come back up until you've hit the bottom and you can kick yourself back up from there. Mm. And I find it's the same though. It's not a linear process. Um, women are definitely in like a moon time where things are very abstract and, uh, the information or feelings come in as impressions or um, as moments of enlightenment, but then also like deep shadows and confusion, mm. but giving themselves like the full space to touch their bottom mm. and then bring themselves back up, yeah. um, just to let them know that that option's even available. Even if they don't do that with me and the time that we have together mm-hmm. is really important to me. Um, because I have seen women, you know, six months down the road from a miscarriage and they're still processing it. Oh yeah. And I think it can take years yeah. or a lifetime yeah. if you're not, if you're not seen, like, I think there's this idea that when we experience trauma, it becomes like this broken record until you can find a resolution to it and feel like you're really heard. And oh, I totally agree with that reflection back. And so, well, and we got that when you and I both did WAPIO's postpartum training, how women come out of their birth experience feeling, um, dissatisfied, even if the birth went quote unquote, well, or the baby's Mm -hmm. healthy, that there's like some need that wasn't met. Even if the outside world doesn't see it as traumatic. Mm -hmm. And even when it is, um, you know, until they get the full witnessing for what's happened, they'll continue to play out over and over again, all the details of what the doctor said or didn't do or how their family or friends didn't support them or did support them. And Mm -hmm. how did that compete with what their expectations were for themselves? Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. And then in the training that I got to do with Rochelle, she talked about the birth experience, oftentimes it's like the veils are thin in that time. And it oftentimes brings through ancestral trauma as well. So it's not, Mm. and that can happen in miscarriage or abortion. Like just anytime a woman's like deepest part of herself is like exposed and there's like this new life or just a new energy there, it brings, there's a potency and a charge and it can trigger ancestral trauma. And if people aren't held and supported and there's no ceremony and no celebration of them and support of them through that time, it can be really, really <clears throat> triggering. I'm, I'm glad you bring up 
ceremony, uh, especially for around um, talking about miscarriage and abortion. You know, certainly if people have the contents of their pregnancy and they want to um, ritualize that, by all means, I want to hold space for that. And um, one point of initiation that I I don't necessarily guide um, these women through, but one that I hold space in my heart for with them uh, is that there is um, a rite of passage that's happening. You know, the ability to create life is is an immense responsibility mm-hmm. and deciding to create life is celebrated and honored. Motherhood has a very high seat in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and simultaneously, not pe- enough, not enough. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to call to attention the, the responsibility, um, and gravity of deciding to not carry a life forward. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't necessarily uh, follow with a miscarriage, mm-hmm. um, though some would argue that abortion is certainly a voluntary miscarriage, you know, mm-hmm. just to play on different, uh, different words that we can use to embody that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, the the idea that as a individual, I'm saying, um, this isn't the appropriate timing or the conditions aren't right, mm-hmm. or this wouldn't, I wouldn't be in my full integrity or in my full heart to proceed forward mm-hmm. that there is, um, at least in my opinion, like a window that we get to be able to make that decision for ourselves that yeah. spirit grants us, you know, and maybe this is a crude example to some, but for me, I actually really, enjoy it because of our connection to the earth. Uh, the idea that, uh, a grower or gardener, a farmer at the end of their season or in, in preparation for the coming season, it may decide to like, um, not carry forward certain seeds, mm, um, right. might conserve them for another season when conditions are better for those seeds to truly thrive. Mm. Um, or, uh, the idea that, you know, um, maybe the seeds that I planted, uh, though they're growing are, would draw life away from the other, mm. um, plants that are also like needing space yeah. in this area. So just also, just also like seeing myself as part of a collective, not that I don't think that all of us are entitled to bring our own children into the world, but if I can also acknowledge that the real strain and responsibility that my actions have as a weight to the people closest to me, mm-hmm. um, I can appreciate that my decision isn't just my own because I'm an interdependent being that mm-hmm. also relies on the support and nourishment and care that I get from the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the broader community around that. Uh, I think that is not, crude at all that's so beautiful and potent like thank you it really because i never i never want to suggest that people who do decide to make that decision are placing a burden or a strain on society Mm -hmm. or their community either but but just to hold the both and right yeah thank you yeah thank you that is i feel like that's really powerful and 
important for some people. I feel like that will help a lot of women. Thank you. Who've gone through things and just trying to find that metaphor in nature. Like you can't, every seed can't grow everywhere. Like you have to, there's, you have to select sometimes. And you know, or even with your, with your art, like certain projects, like come to, come to their fruition and you are able to like really give them the time and patience, um, that you, that you feel inspired to give to that particular, um, creation. Mm -hmm. And then other projects are, you know, memories or impressions of just where you were at at that time. And, you know, they're just perfect, exactly where they were just, you know, a thought and an inception, you know, Mm -hmm. in your sketchbook. Yeah. 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 Everything doesn't have to be finished. Yeah. In that way. And it's just amazing too. How many, how many of us feel ashamed of that power? Oh, you know, interesting. Yeah. Just like the, there's just so much panic and confusion that comes up. Mm. Um, understandably, but then I, you know, to make that choice, I, I want to remind women that it's an empowered decision that they're making, yeah. that this isn't, um, one that they need to move forward with, uh, holding guilt or shame. Like we've already discussed, it's one that they can own completely in their power as part of, you know, a sacred and divine will that they have. Mm. I'd love to hear more about how you work with women. Like how, yeah, how does that happen? They contact you. Do you sit with them? Most often, um, I find women come into the shop, mm-hmm. um, which can be very delicate, mm-hmm. uh, because it's a public space, but women come into the shop and they'll very quietly or sheepishly suggest that they're um, especially like for miscarriage support that they're needing help. And, uh, you know, they might've already spoken with a doctor who's, um, decided that, you know, if this doesn't complete in, you know, this much time, then you're going to have a DNC Mm -hmm. and that terrifies some women. Um, what is the DNC just to clarify? Uh, it's basically like them scraping out the contents of your uterus. Oh, wow. And I, I forget what the D and C actually stand for. That's okay. Sorry. (laughs) But essentially they're, they're scraping out and removing like any remaining contents of your uterus. And and the fear of that of course would be infection. Mm. Um, but most of the time. And they do that in miscarriage if the, if it's not expelled. Completely. Exactly. So sometimes you'll have a, you'll have a complete miscarriage where everything fully passes, including the placenta, Mm -hmm. um, and any membranes as well as, you know, the, the fetus and the terminated pregnancy. Um, also if it's an incomplete miscarriage, it can look, it has a lot of wide variation. Mm -hmm. Um, you might have like lost the pregnancy, but you might not even have expelled the fetus yet. Mm -hmm. You might not, you might still be retaining the placenta. You might have expelled everything, but are still retaining parts of the placenta. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there wasn't enough tone, um, in the uterus to like fully contract, Mm 
mm-hmm. when it released to mm-hmm. allow all of those tissues to, to empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the, the fear factor is that the tissue will remain in there and they'll, um, have to go through this procedure so that they don't acquire an infection. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken with quite a few midwives who are in agreement that, you know, most of the time women's bodies with their own wisdom will pass yeah. those contents like within the next several moon cycles. Mm-hmm. But, but seems, you know, everybody is right. like individual. So right. you have to, you can't assume that with mm-hmm. anybody, right. but you can, we can encourage that process with herbs mm-hmm. um, just to help uh, let the body know that it's safe to release, mm-hmm. um, give it the nourishment and circulation and tone that it needs to continue that movement. I can um, imagine motherwort maybe being yeah, part of that. Cause absolutely. Just for mm-hmm. listeners to know, motherwort is a major amenagogue, so it can bring on your cycle. <laughs> And a huge emotional ally too. So yeah, definitely a premier friend for Mm -hmm. that time. And, uh, and so one, and one thing that's a part of that too, as I mentioned, is you actually do really want to nourish and support the body. Women feel really fatigued and drained and possibly Mm -hmm. still very hormonal, not necessarily from the pregnancy, but just the shift in, um, in pregnancy or maybe they haven't been sleeping because of it. Maybe they haven't, their appetites changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, maybe they didn't even realize they were pregnant and then they have a miscarriage. So, mm-hmm. um, needing to fortify them and treat it as a restorative period, the way that you would a postpartum period mm-hmm. is important. Um, and then for the cases of people coming in and needing support around abortion. This is as an abortion doula, like meeting with people Mm -hmm. and allying them as they like go through a clinical procedure. Mm -hmm. And that training came through the Colorado doula project, which is an insanely awesome resource that we have here in Colorado. Uh, their training was informed by the doula project based in New York city, Mm -hmm. um, who has, uh, who have trainings and uh, volunteer abortion doula resources um, and pretty much empower anyone who feels called to do that work um, to have the basic information they need to get started and to just start being a a friend to anyone in need. Um, There aren't formal uh, partnerships with clinics. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, the CDP or the Colorado doula project has a open forum where they will contact people um, specifically who they know um, as part of their uh, volunteer list who may be able to provide transportation to people to and from clinics mm-hmm. who might be able to offer um, child care uh, to people who have other little ones mm-hmm. while they need to go and have their procedures. Um, people just to bear witness to the procedure, sitting with them, clinic hours, for people who've never been to an abortion clinic can be incredibly long. And that's even with the simplest, um, procedures, Mm. let alone the ones that require, um, multi-day visits. And in those cases, some women even need, uh, housing. Mm. So CDP organizes all of that for these women and it's all volunteer based. So that's um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, 
So a lot of that work, um, again, is invisible, like mm-hmm. a lot of emotional support is. Uh, and so I, I put their name out there to hopefully let people know more about their work and to recognize them for all of the um, them as like unsung heroes, heroines yeah. of, yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I've been wanting to connect with them and do that training too because I just... I feel called also to just do doula work in whatever spectrum it is supposed to be. Like, I'm really interested in death doula work and abortion doula work as well. And, yeah, just to bear witness to people, I feel like it's so powerful and transformative. And, uh... And what's really neat about what they're doing, and this is this is true for a lot of the radical birth community, is their model is centered in reproductive justice. Mm. So I'm I'm catching myself. I'm saying women. It would be more appropriate mm. to say just pregnant bodies, right. or like you know just folks who are like needing an abortion or needing care in that time, yeah. um, because there's a whole spectrum um, yeah. of people who don't identify as women who are needing that care. Thank Uh, you for that clarification. I think sometimes I'm not sensitive enough around that. I, when we know better, we do better. (laughs) is what I remind myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so part of their model is being very, um, trans inclusive, uh, queer inclusive. Um, so accommodating like, families and individuals of all, um, bodies, um, and identities. Mm. So I, if people are needing, um, that extra bit of care, they're definitely an ally in that way as well. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I would love to hear more about how you support women. I know sometimes the tarot comes in as part of that experience. So how we were saying that we don't necessarily have enough ceremony or ritual to consecrate these rites of passages, Mm -hmm. um, I started getting to the point in my herbal consultations and also when I would have these very vulnerable conversations with um, people who were having these miscarriages and abortions where I felt like we opened a portal and then mm-hmm. we needed to close it somehow mm-hmm. or that something wasn't getting acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And I felt really unsettled. Um, cause it just felt like there was still this potency that we were holding in the room. And that if we were just to, and be like, you know, just dropping something really precious and mm-hmm. watching it fall, um, and shatter, if we were to just walk away from each other, or walk out of the room, yeah. um, And so I started bringing the cards in and I have yet to have a person who's been too afraid to see what the cards say around it. So Mm -hmm. it's almost that there's this part of ourselves that knows or understands that there's something, um, unknown or mysterious outside of ourselves, uh, that is at work that we are only getting glimpses of Mm -hmm. and, it's incredibly, uh, 
validating to have a tarot card reading in that time. Mm. Cause usually more often than not, it's a confirmation of your own intuition. Mm. And when you're going through something so confusing, it's so reassuring to have that mirrored back to you. Yeah. You know, even if you don't have the answers, cause of course, tarot cards aren't going to tell you, Oh yeah. You know, just break up with that boyfriend of yours and, uh, you know, quit your job and everything that you're feeling right now will just go away. Um, right. yeah, it's, more, it's a more liminal space. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, complex. oh, right now is maybe not the time for you to like make any fast moves because mm-hmm. this is what the cards are revealing. Or mm-hmm. like if you had, um, you know, uncertainties about your relationship. And then you had an abortion or a miscarriage that came up around that relationship. The cards might confirm, yeah, there are uncertainties around your relationship. Mm -hmm. And then that's confirmation for them to continue to sit with that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as I read more and more for people, um, what I try to remind them is that I'm not a fortune teller and everyone is entitled to practice with the cards. However, they feel called to, I believe. And I don't have the privilege of knowing anyone's destiny. Mm -hmm. And I give that intention to my cards when I have my readings with people. And especially when we uh, close out these sessions that are deeply emotional, where Mm -hmm. we're doing everything by the book. We have our herbal protocol. We're taking our magnesium. We're, you know, we're nourishing ourselves with all the, you know, important foods. And then it just feels like there's something else missing. Mm -hmm. And then you pull a card for yourself, um, or several, and it, it feels like a guiding light, Mm. um, you know, in a very dark space, you know, the, the moon card in tarot is kind of interesting as well, just to mirror that, because I mentioned before, this feels like a, a moon time Mm. for people. And I get that phrase, that idea of moon medicine from Janet Kent and Dave Meesters of Medicine County Herbs in North Carolina, Mm. who are wonderful educators if anyone has an opportunity to to learn with them what are their names again janet kent and dave meesters so dave meesters taught this class on sun medicine and moon medicine Mm -hmm. and it was from that class i realized i'm a moon medicine practitioner (laughs) i definitely don't always show up uh when you need me to but i Mm -hmm. show up uh or when you want me to but i show up exactly when you need me to yeah um and i'll be there to offer whatever it is that you need exactly in that moment. Mm -hmm. But I'm not necessarily there for the two week, one week, six week Mm follow-up. Um, not that I couldn't be, (laughs) but, but that's not necessarily my strength or why people come to me. Uh, and with the moon card in the tarot, you see kind of this, um, murky. And of course every tarot card is different, but it's this murky, path where the moon, um, tends to cast everything into shadow and, mm. and it's like a half light distortion of the reality of what's going on. Mm. So you can sort of see what's happening around you, but you don't have the full, uh, clarity of it. Mm. And it's important to not force that. Like we need to be as intimate with our moon time as we are when we're in our sun time and we get far too much sun medicine in our daily lives as it is with needing to show up for our jobs and show up on time for, um, those people that we have responsibilities, um, to, and this is just one moment in people's lives that 
demands moon medicine. Mm. You can't rush it. And it's totally yours to experience. And uh, I try to remind people, you know, and I think the cards kind of help reiterate this, that, you know, part of the the self-care of all of this is that you can't time it out. I mean, you have an appointment time that you show up for, or you have your doctor's appointments that follow up, you know, with respect to like your miscarriage, but there's all this space in between those visits that needs to be honored. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the cards are a very appropriate tool for that time because you might find yourself growing in ways that are completely beneath the surface that you don't even realize until you're out the other side of it. And Mm. you look back and you see what darkness you emerged out of and darkness, not necessarily being a bad thing, but just a time of stillness and, um, unknowing, Mm. but still very potent. Mm. So cool. Yeah. Um, and the cards, you know, I think can be an ally for anybody, not just, um, when we're going through a a dark period, Mm. but they can be, as I said, like a huge witness and confirmation of our own intuition, which is important at any stage. And the same way that I came to herbs, I came to the cards, which was, I was struggling with my mental health and I needed Mm. something that was on in the other world to help me actually feel like I was grounded in, in reality because reality isn't just the nine to five, um, showing up on time and being present. It's Mm -hmm. like being in the liminal space. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. There is something so deeply healing and reassuring about the tarot. I don't do it every day, but oftentimes I'll just meditate and then I pull a card or three and, or sometimes four. (laughs) And, it's just so, yeah, it feels like really nourishing and reflective. And it just makes me feel like my, I'm surrounded by helpers when I spend time to look at it. And it's interesting too, if you develop a relationship with your, with a deck, mm-hmm. um, watching as you go through different phases of your life and seeing certain cards repeat themselves. Mm, mm -hmm. One of the biggest things people ask me is like, how did you learn this? And it's, it's purely just pulling for yourself Uh over and over and over again and checking in with yourself as you're doing that to see where, what stage of life are you in right now? Mm. What's happening in your environment? And then as you like move through time, seeing those patterns repeat themselves again, because Mm -hmm. they're all, you know, archetypes of everything we could experience in life. So you're definitely going to be spiraling back through them. Right. Um, but then you understand the quality of it just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does the moon card come up for you a lot? Is that, Oh yeah. Totem? It's one of them for sure. Uh-huh. Um, others that I really feel called to are like the queen of cups, the empress, mm-hmm. high priestess, but I get a lot of swords. <laughs> As yeah. I mentioned, I'm a very cerebral person. So when I see the 10 of swords, which is, you know, obliteration. Uh, I just got that a couple days ago. <laughs> I, I look fondly <laughs> because I know what it's trying to tell me. <laughs> just that I'm 
overthinking and need to drop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, there was something else that came out of that. Oh, I lost it. Oh, yeah, the moon card has actually been coming up for me a lot because mm-hmm. my practice as an herbalist is shifting. Mm-hmm. So I want to do more work with women um, or just around uh, everybody's like reproductive wellness and mm-hmm. sexual health in general. And I also uh, like doing the one-on-ones with people, but you know, clinical skills take you to a certain point and then you have to make make your practice your own. Right. And I think I'm in a state of reevaluation right now. Mm. I'm still seeing people, but I don't, I don't fully understand who it is that I'm transforming into as a healer. Mm. And certainly the tarot cards are becoming a very intimate part of that work and other, um, more ceremonial, more ritual, mystical, if you will, aspects to healing are starting to push themselves to the fore. But, mm-hmm. uh, but as with all, you know, training, there's like an initiation into those mysteries as well. Yeah. Not that we can't discover those paths on our own. So I'm also waiting for, um, mystery to kind of invite me in a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and trying not to force uh, that process, like mm. we've been discussing, just allowing it to kind of unfold organically. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. What are you, are you daydreaming of like what it may look like? Oh my gosh. After that, <laughs> Ann Drucker, <laughs> just oh, like after Ann Drucker's her. class, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I want to study Maya medicine now? Mm-hmm. Because it just felt so innate. Um, you know, just the idea of like working so intimately with the elements and having the aromas of plants and Mm. like letting plants, like doing the plant brushings and clearing your energy with them was like, uh, duh, that makes so much sense. And then, um, saying the prayers with plants, uh, feels really important, um, and not necessarily a part of a clinical model. Mm-hmm. Though, of course, you know, it's not as though people don't hold space for that as clinicians, but, you know, again, you have to make these things your own. Mm-hmm. And also I've come to terms with the fact that I'm probably not going to become a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I still feel really intimately connected to supporting again, people's sexual and reproductive health and my mm-hmm. massages um, a very crucial element of self-care, just like in maintaining the integrity and center of our, of ourselves, especially if we're describing, um, as one, uh, educator did over that red earth gathering weekend here in Boulder, that this is, that the uterus is, you know, the center of your bodies. Mm. Like, you know, that's your, the center of your yoni verse mm-hmm. is, mm. is like <laughs> having that. like right alignment with, um, with that part of yourself. And mm. I do think that that, uh, that is really important actually, because your that womb, um, whether or not you call it that or have a connection with it, that with it that way is, um, you know, physically somewhat of a mirror of your own heart. Mm. And there's a kind of intelligence between the two. Mm-hmm. And I find that if you're, if you're not fully in your center there in your womb space, um, it, it's hard to connect fully with your, with what's true in your heart as well. Yeah. Um, so true. 
and vice versa. A lot of us like are very deeply caring people, but we might be disconnected from like our basic needs, Mm. Um, you know, and that the intelligence of the body that kind of comes through from those like lower chakras. Um, Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Had you wanted to be a midwife before? Uh, I I ask so many questions sometimes from my midwife friends. I was like, I think I just need to become a midwife Mm -hmm. um, so that I stop bothering them and just (laughs) know the answers. But realistically, the people who become midwives, um, you know, bless them, take, you know, five to 10 years to do so. And that's Mm -hmm. just the minimum of their education. Yeah. Because midwifery, like herbalism and any healing art is, is a decades long Mm -hmm. journey. Um, one that maybe by the end of your experience here on earth, you can say that you have a little bit of wisdom about, Mm -hmm. um, and of course, like seeing women like Wapio, Mm -hmm. uh, who are so inspiring is a huge motivation to like, want to grow deeper in that path. But, um, but my own energy doesn't feel called to go towards that much education at this point anymore. Mm-hmm. It feels like that part of my life is not at the fore. And actually what I'm trying to welcome in is putting the magnitude of energy that would require into having my own babies and mm-hmm. starting my own family. Mm-hmm. It's like just a twinkle in my eye right now, yeah. you know, cause <laughs> I don't even have a partner, <laughs> but I'm holding space for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so cool. Well, I feel like there's something so reassuring about having those dreams and those visions and it bringing you into the birth world and the radical birth world. And then you can kind of like, you know, you're starting to see what your place truly is there. You know, it doesn't have to be as a midwife, but it can be in this other more mystical supportive realm that is really dramatically underserved. And so thank you. Yeah. 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 We all we're exactly where we need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So true. And, uh, and part of that, that work is, um, yeah, it's almost shamanic Mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. And and I think it just serves to, again, reiterate this idea of um, ritual ceremony that we're passing into the liminal spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Because I definitely, even as like a doula, if I ever have the privilege of being a birth doula, you know, don't see myself in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And not that women don't need, that women oh, especially yeah. need. Totally. Um, allies, you know, in an allopathic setting, I know, but that's, I, I cannot see myself there. So I, I don't seen, think that that's where I'm going to end up where my path is taking me. I just don't, I can't visualize myself there and feeling like strong or able to hold space for somebody. Well, I have the same thing. Like I want to support women on occasion as a birth doula, but I don't, being in hospitals just makes me cringe. Like I just can't, I just don't want to be there. (laughs) I don't want to see women drugged and manipulated. And I don't know. I, I definitely have a bias against hospital births that I acknowledge. And I just, I don't want to be there. Yeah. There's, there are people who I think, 
feel really strong and like ready to be that person. Mm-hmm. And I, I want women to, to work with those people mm-hmm. who like feel ready to give their all in those spaces. Yeah. Um, and, and those are the same women who, again, like you mentioned, might not be the ones who feel comfortable in these other realms. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where I want to be. Totally. <laughs> so, so we all, we all serve our purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. I'm curious, just on a technical thing, your tarot deck, I saw you brought it with you. Oh, I was yeah. curious what deck it is. It's the Pagan Otherworlds deck. Ooh, I've yeah. never seen that one before. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I was attracted to having... I really enjoy the renaissance of um, independent tarot art that's coming out. Yeah, and so cool. Because tarot cards are such an intimate reflection of the artist who creates them. Um, I think it's wonderfully celebratory, um, especially because when we get to break out of, um, you know, certain like normative definitions of what each card means. Yeah. But I wanted a more traditional deck mm-hmm. and I didn't feel called to the Rider weight deck. Um, though I think it's wonderful in its own way. And I like this deck because it has, um, it's very, everything's, uh, they're all oil paintings. Oh, so they have this very, uh, um, Renaissance, just to play that word again, uh, feel to them. And they have their own symbols that continue to repeat throughout the deck, which I'm still trying to understand. Mm -hmm. So one of the things would be like roses or laurels and doves and Mm -hmm. bells and feathers and, um, grasses and mountains, like just the way that they use landscape Mm -hmm. is really interesting. And then it's still a very visual deck. There's a lot to glean from it just by looking at the cards. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and it's completely unique on its own. And the folks who made it, I think, are uh, printmakers. They have a, oh. a deck of playing cards as well. So they're not exclusive to tarot, and they designed the box as well. Oh so just God, to yeah, give you an idea of how far their wow. artistry extends. Oh, it's gorgeous. And it's the same backs, um, the same patterning for, like, the back of the cards, too. Oh, yeah. I've never seen this. Where did you find it? at Ritual Craft in Denver, oh, which if you're nice. in Colorado and you're on the front range, I highly suggest you go check out because they're a wonderful resource for pretty much anything mystical and magical. Yeah. There are definitely some other shops that I love too, like Herbs and Arts in Denver as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the tarot uh, deck selection at Ritual Craft. Mm, cool. Yeah, I have a dream to make a tarot deck at some point. <laughs> oh, you should. You totally should. Fun. Yeah, it's, we'll see what happens. I use the Aquarian tarot deck, which I oh, love. Oh, that's it just beautiful. Has, like, the really like Art Deco style. Yeah, and, totally. Oh, it's like really so pretty. Oh, these are gorgeous. Wow. Can I pull a card? Of course. <laughs> That's why I brought them. Okay. I was like, oh, why, why are these here? <laughs> That's the other thing with, with how I like to read tarot is I really want it to be, I want people to feel giddy yeah. a little bit, yeah, you know, because so people can get so nervous. Like, oh gosh, you're going to tell me I'm going to die. <laughs> it's like, no, no, yeah, you're no. Die, it's not about, it's not about death. I mean, it's about 
things transitioning. Yeah, totally. Well, and you know, some people do have a tradition maybe within their own family or their own tarot lineage of Mm -hmm. like holding certain meanings or practices with the cards, but the, the intentions I want to put into my cards are ones where I want people to feel like this is a way for them to become intimate with their own intuition. Mm. Like, as I've been saying, so I want, I want it to feel really freeing for people. So cool. Okay. I'm just going to pull one. Okay. Oh my gosh. Nine of swords. Oh dear. (laughs) (laughs) Can I pull another one? (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. We'll get some clarification. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and the nine of wands. Interesting. Wow. Oh my gosh. There are some people who are so much better with the numerology around this than I am, but nines usually are, you know, the stage is at its completion. Yeah. So that's really comforting. Can I pull one more too? Yeah, totally. Oh, wonderful. That's nice. That's nice. (laughs) I always end up saying that to people in readings. Like, even when they pull, like, the death card, I'm like, that's nice. (laughs) It's all good. Oh, these are so beautiful. (laughs) Right? So pretty. Mm, Gorgeous. What what I love about having the Nine of Swords come up, because as Mm -hmm. I said before, I pull swords a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've pulled them at some pretty... uh, not just anxious, I would say like, um, oh, like just like mentally arduous, Mm -hmm. like times of my life where Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm caving in on myself. Mm -hmm. And that's the feeling that I usually get around the nine of swords more or less. I've kind of been at that point where I'm just like, Oh, I'm doing too much. Like kind of stressed out this week. And that's the, the interesting part about this card is that What's painful in some ways about it is that it's kind of a nightmare of your own creation. Definitely. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> like there are these really heavy feelings of like feeling or it's this really heavy sensation of feeling like trapped. Mm-hmm. Um like you like you've woven yourself into a reality that you can't mm-hmm. escape now. Mm-hmm. Um and so your everything you see is like kind of its own horror in a way. Um it's interesting. The card too has a swan with a golden collar on it. Yeah, it reminds me of like golden handcuffs. But the beautiful about part about all of that is because it's of your own creation, you know. And the mind is such a beautiful and myriad place it's that you're existing in one paradigm. Mm-hmm. And usually, it just takes like acknowledging that you're that you're only limited by your own imagination mm. to know that you can shift into a new paradigm. Oh, and then wow. you get the kind of the, the death and the resolve that comes yeah. like afterwards from it. Wow. It's like, you know, the 10 of swords to me is like, okay, I, I accept, like mm-hmm. I have thought about these things to the point where I have, like caused so much internal harm to myself mm. by continuing to hold on to this story. Mm-hmm. It's time to let it let it pass. Yeah. Um and then you can and then you can start over. 
Right. It's kind of like what we have been talking about throughout is just yeah. like the acknowledgement, just having that acknowledgement and noticing allows it to change. What I think is encouraging, just looking at your reading though, with the nine of wands here as well, is that your journey is almost complete, mm-hmm. you know, like you're like, it might feel mm-hmm. like mental torture right now. <laughs> Um, but, but really like what's going to see you through this is knowing that your own vision is carrying you, that Mm. if you continue to, I always think of this as like that last three quarters of the mile of the marathon, like Um, I'm so close. I can see the finish line. I'm almost there. And you just need to continue to like, know that it's that your dream and the will to reach your dream is what's guiding you on, Mm. you know, even when you've already put in so much work, um, and already like put in so much of your own heart and passion into whatever it is that you're being guided by, Mm. but you're, you're almost there. Um, and especially (laughs) to see that queen of pentacles at the end of that is like, Oh yeah. It's like juicy, (laughs) vibrant, abundant. She's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. She's even got, she's even got a nipple out. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. She's not ashamed. She's (laughs) proud of her proud of her body oh my gosh so and just like amazing. all of her yeah her beauty Fertility. her richness wow so cool and and of course like mm-hmm. being being kind of like the master um or a mistress in a way of that earth dominion you know translates into like material wealth mm. translates into abundance in your career, like, mm-hmm. you know, daily tasks in your own health and well being, mm. um, and just resources like your yeah. home, your community, and just feeling like really well set up to continue to receive abundance. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Well, you're doing great with the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's been so fun. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Ashley. That's so cool. And I like, um, I always like people to pull a fourth card in a three card reading. Okay. Interesting. Three of swords. So I often like people to pull that fourth card sometimes as like a guardian angel kind of Mm -hmm. message, Mm -hmm. but also because a lot of times people see the progression, but Mm -hmm. then their next question is, well, how, Mm. like, this is the tool, excuse me, Mm. Mm. this is the tool that kind of guides you through these points. Mm -hmm. And the three of swords is a sorrowful card, but again, remember that it's the mind. Mm -hmm. What I, what I like to think about what I most relate with it to is uh, the idea of releasing, um, often sometimes the things that we feel most betrayed by or the things that we feel the most hurt and pain from are having, are the things that we have an expectation for Mm -hmm. that we put so much of ourselves Mm -hmm. into and then seeing, and then feeling betrayed by that expectation. Yeah. You know, if it's, um, if it's a project that hasn't, uh, you know, grown 
the way that you expected it to. It feels Mm -hmm. like the more you put into it, the less you get. And that's painful. Mm -hmm. If it's a relationship, it's like you put all these expectations around what the relationship was supposed to mean to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the more you try to make it work, the more, uh, the more painful and, uh, unforgiving it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so just as you move through, like, you know, releasing what, you know, starts out as a rather burdensome path, mm-hmm. giving yourself like the space to also acknowledge that, um, that parts of this could be parts of this journey might be very painful and might not be exactly how you, um, envision them to look mm-hmm. and not what you planned for, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, um, it doesn't make the journey any less important or beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or anything that's like led up to now, like worthless. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. That's so helpful to see. I like that idea of the fourth card is the guardian angel. That's cool. Amazing. You know, cause ultimately like the tarot, you still have free will, mm-hmm. right? So like, these are all you can still choose to mm-hmm. engage with this energy however you want to. Mm-hmm. But if you were listening or following the guidance of your guardian angel and embodying that energy, what would, what would that course like, or how would that course continue to unfold for you? Mm-hmm. You know, cause you can choose to, you know, reject this as your truth and, um, you know, pull other cards that might offer different paths for you to pursue. And some would argue that, you know, they might end up leading back to the same place anyways, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, this feels but you still have a choice in how you get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The three of swords, it's just making me think of what keeps coming up for me is like balancing grief and gratitude and just like letting yourself feel the pain and also just like feel the joy and feel both things with equal weight and like feel them and then that carries through rather than trying to ignore things or push them away that what you just said feels very relevant for what I've also experienced with this card Mm. and I wouldn't have been able to articulate it that way Mm. which is why I think it's so important and beautiful that we get to share our readings with each other because we all have insight and wisdom to offer And the more we can talk about the cards, um, and kind of garnish the garnish, garner, ignore, (laughs) (laughs) um, the more we can draw, uh, the life wisdom or the kind of the soul growth that comes from the cards, Mm. uh, together. Um, yeah, the more, yeah, just the more, uh, healing that we can have collectively, because we each have our own like piece of this, you know, reflection of mystery to share. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Are there other things you want to talk about? I know you're kind of in the midst of transforming your practice mm-hmm. and your online presence a little bit. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, uh, I, I'm starting to step out more as an independent herbalist and I'm, I have a, a name, Ooh, I have a name, what is but it? the name hasn't 
fully materialized into a website or to a social media presence, but stay tuned folks. (laughs) It's going to be great. Awesome. Um, And I can put that once you have that, I can put that in the show notes. Oh, wonderful. Uh, but it's mana apoteca. Mm-hmm. So mana, I'll explain both words. Mm-hmm. They might appear a little esoteric. Mana is the the sweet exudate that comes from uh, certain plants in the wild. Oh, yeah. But biblically, it's described as the nourishment that um, guided the the Israelites in their like long journey through the desert. Mm-hmm. And for me, that that word or that sweetness is the is the medicine. Um, kind of the nectar that we find when we uh, are ready to brave our own wilderness mm. and to go out and to discover the uh, discover ourselves as a reflection of that wild Ooh. and find our medicine there. I love that. Brave our own wilderness, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go, go into that dark night. <laughs> yeah, go into that, that barren desert and discover what's out there for you. Mm. Um, and what's out there is, is the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then of course, like, um, apotheca, like apothecary, but, mm-hmm. you know, kind of coming out of this idea of something, uh, a more ancient way of describing that word since its origin is, uh, Latin and Greek. And, uh, for myself, the way that I continue to reintegrate, um, back into myself as, as I'm moving forward as a individual healer is that there's something really ancient and old inside of me mm-hmm. that's trying to be remembered. Mm-hmm. And the way that I continue to try to conceptualize this is as, um, is as an Oracle or mm-hmm. as a, as some, someone that's like standing between worlds, like, um, kind of dreaming back, mm-hmm. um, wisdom that's been lost and, or forgotten or, you know, um, you know, hidden away somewhere. But, but now, um, in this time we have the ability to not just like remember those old dreams and like the deep rumblings, like from the earth, the way that the Pythia might have in, you know, the Delphic days of the Oracle, um, or the days of the Delphic Oracle, but we can also, uh, we've, all of our other stories into that, you know, mm. our own ancestral memories. Like we talked about, mm. we can weave, you know, who we are now as, you know, people in a modern time and what unique collective experiences we all share together that we might not have as individuals in that time. Mm. So there's something, but it's also something very simple. And I think that's why I feel called to something that's ancient and kind of mm. primordial in a way. So yeah. It's like the, the deepest taproot mm. I can find. That's yeah. beautiful. It is like the deepest root and it's old and it's ancient and it's present too. And I like how you're weaving that together. And I think it's, it's also something uniquely, um, not maybe not uniquely, but it's like the medicine of, I like the idea rather that as healers like and as like someone identifying in like a woman's body that in healing the collective trauma of our um of our burning of mm. our massacre mm-hmm. um that you know that healers 
across cultures have experienced, mm-hmm. but, but women especially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way to consecrate our power back because mm-hmm. often uh, women did hold sacred uh, did hold a sacred center in mm-hmm. a community as the diviner mm-hmm. as the the way shower yeah um, you know before per, before people would go to war or if there was a question about famine um, you know you would you would consult the the seer mm-hmm. um, who might also have understandings about other you know mysteries including you know reading runes or reading cards or reading bones or mm-hmm. or whatever other system it might have been and also making magic in their own way maybe being the person as well who performs ceremonies and uh i don't have herbal healing in my background but what i've noticed is that all the women have a very keen way of knowing things without knowing them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's important for us to continue to, to find those threads yeah. um, and trace them back through our line in whatever way we can. Um, and for some of us, it might not seem so obvious. Mm-hmm. So here's me maybe trying to gild it a little bit mm-hmm. to, to embody it a little bit more strongly so that, um, you know, all those memories maybe, will resurface at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't totally understand it. <laughs> no, I love it. It's beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Is there anything else coming through you feel like you need to share? No, I feel, I feel very complete. Awesome. Um, I'm just so grateful that we have um, such a strong community of healers um, where you and I are, that mm-hmm. we can continue to gain knowledge and experience with one another and continue to evolve and um, grow in our practice and that we can, um, you know, turn this around into and make something beautiful that we can offer as gifts to those we care about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love what you're offering and just how you're making yourself present for so many amazing souls out there who could use your help so yeah thank you for doing the work you do and for making time to come here and sit with me oh it's my pleasure with the (laughs) plants and have a little cup of tea such a treat it's delicious by the way (laughs) awesome yeah it's a little if anybody wants to know it's marshmallow leaf alfalfa orange peel and ginger Oh, it's so good. Really simple. It's so good. Really simple little blend. Oh, well, Ashley, so much love to you. Thank you so much for making Thank time Thank you so much, today. Sarah. And for the reading, it's such a treat. <laughs> I love it. It's really, it's so helpful and feels very in line with where I'm at right now. It's interesting. So thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm. Thanks again for tuning in to Time in the Studio. And if you would like to connect with Ashley, you can check her out on Instagram at ashnoak, A-S-H-N-O-A-C-K. And you can connect with me on Instagram if you'd like via Time in the Studio, Time Like the Herb, or Ada Zia Arts, or Sarah Marie Studio, 
or connect with me on my website, adazia.com. That's A-I-D-A dot Z-E-A dot com. Thank you again so much for being here and for making time to listen in. If you would like to leave a donation, you can do that at timeinthestudio.simplecast.fm. And please rate, review, share, cha-cha-cha. So much love and light to you all. May our efforts benefit all beings. Thank you.